transfer portal season is upon us, but so is the bowl season. Uh, bowl uh, bowl assignments have been handed out, uh, as we talked about last week while we were in Charlotte for the ACC championship game. NC State was going to be back. They were going to be in Charlotte, just not for a championship. So it's true. State is going to Charlotte, just not for the ACC championship game. It's going to be for the Dukes-Mayo Bowl in what we have lovingly described as the Debbie Yao Bowl. Yes. Taking on Maryland. Meanwhile, North Carolina is going out to the Holiday Bowl, which I'm going to assume will happen this offseason. It will happen this bowl season, the Holiday Bowl. I hope so. Oregon is their opponent. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Did you see with Fenway? The, the Fenway Bowl is a game in Boston. Yes. That is supposed to be part of the ACC process. Yeah, Louisville and Cincinnati. But for the last two years, it's been canceled because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And now this year, they had Scott Satterfield, <laughs> the coach of Louisville, the ACC representative, <laughs> against Cincinnati, yeah. the American representative. Well, he decided he was going to be the head coach at Cincinnati. We'll get into more of that in a he, second. He actually canceled himself. Yes, he did. He canceled himself. He will not be in any way, shape, or form showing up to that bowl game, which is <laughs> probably for the best. <laughs> Meanwhile, Wake Forest taking on Missouri. And uh, Duke's taking on... Wait, who, wait, who's Duke playing? What did I forget? I don't, why did I forget who Duke's Duke playing? Duke at Central Florida. Central Florida. Thank you. It's thank a fight, you. man. Thank you. Well, the college football playoff is set. And Georgia's number one. Oh, Michigan's number two. I don't think anybody was surprised by that. There was some drama about TCU because they lost in the Big Ten, Big 12 championship game, but in overtime to Kansas State. And then the fourth spot. What was going to happen with Southern Cal after they got their second loss, and it was pretty handily by Utah on Friday night in the Pac-12 championship game. And it, this was an opportunity for Ohio State to slide back in those college football playoff mentions. But oddly, there was a debate about Alabama. Not Tennessee, but Alabama. Boo Corrigan, who is NC State's AD and the CFP committee chair, was asked about why Ohio State over Alabama. Well, I think you look at the big wins as well as part of this and the win that um, Ohio State has over um, uh, Notre Dame, the win they have over Penn State, compare that to uh, Alabama with the wins over Texas, uh, Mississippi State, some other close games. And again, keep in mind that the Michigan game did get away from them, but it was a one-score game uh, uh, early in the fourth quarter. And as we looked at the total body of work that we had, the committee was comfortable with Ohio State at four and Alabama at five. So that's Boo Corrigan, the committee chair for the college football playoff, NC State's AD. Essentially, he has to argue it the way he wants to argue it. But Nick Saban tried to argue about Vegas. Like Alabama would actually be favored Favored. in these matchups, as though that has something to do with it. Do you want to remind people what Vegas is about, please? Uh, Making the most money possible on the game. Setting the line an attractive number so they can balance them and make the most money. does, Does Nick Saban understand that? That Vegas isn't... No, he's basically saying we would be favored. That means we are technically the better team. No, 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 no. That's, that's, not, that's what he's trying to say. That's not how That's not how it works. Although I would like Nick Saban to be posted up at a sports book this offseason. Yeah, we need a Nick Saban-Brett Musburger mashup. Let's go. Yeah. Let's absolutely go. I have a theory about Nick Saban. I feel like he had to go out there and come up with the best argument he could because if he didn't, fans would be upset. But behind the scenes, I don't know if there's a way to FOIA this. I don't know if I could ever prove it. 
But I would love to believe that Nick Saban hit up the college football playoff committee after he did his little spiel on, what was that, on CBS, and said, guys, 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 nah. You and I both know we don't belong in the college football playoff. Who did we beat? Because that's that's really what it comes down to. They beat Texas, Joe. Cool. Is that their best win? Either Texas or Mississippi State. Okay. This also churns up the argument that we've had throughout the college football playoff, and to a certain extent the BCS, but really in the college football playoff era, about who's the most rewarding or who should be rewarded for their season versus who actually is a better team in the theoretical conversation about yeah, college football. At some point, what you do has to matter. Yes. At some point. Yes. And as NC State learned the hard way in 2019, Nick Saban, there's no such thing as a good loss. So <laughs> while you almost beat Tennessee, you didn't. You lost. Yeah. And while you almost beat LSU, you didn't. So it's a loss. And guess what? Close does not count in the net. Close doesn't count in the NCAA tournament. Nope. And close does not count with the college football playoff. So I understand that when you leave it to a committee, you can leave it to all sorts of interpretations. But you cannot be one of the best teams in the country when your record doesn't actually match up with that. All the context aside. I know last week I made fun of Trent Dilfer, who's now the coach at UAB, because he famously on an NFL Sunday show on ESPN said, you cannot lose in the NFL and expect to win, right? Right. He's right. Winning is the point. Winning's always been the point. And in college football, my argument has always been, I'll give you one loss depending on the team. You can justify a loss if the rest of what you do can bury the loss. When you lose also matters, no matter how much the committee wants to tell you. If you lose an early season game, or in the first week specifically, well, then you can point to the improvement from that game. We're not the same team we yeah. were in week two. Those are all arguments I'm willing to hear. But once you lose the second game, you have lost your leverage, period. Losses have to matter at some point. And you can sit here and talk about Nick Saban's record in the college football playoff and how many national championships he's won and how he's run through the SEC and everything else. Cool. But once you lose twice, you have lost your basis from argument and you cannot sit here and tell me. And anybody who carries water for these teams also loses me with the, well, if you put them on a neutral field. No, you lost the opportunity to do it because you lost twice. Now that goes away because the college football playoff is going to expand to 12 after this upcoming season. And they'd be in. And Alabama would then be given the opportunity to prove that, no, no, we're still one of the best teams in the country in the same way that in the in the NFL we see that with, sure. hey, you know, we might have lost a couple times. You might have gotten us in the regular season. But now when the chips are on the table, to borrow Nick Saban's new favorite genre of talk, <laughs> Vegas, well, we're going to – chips are on the table. We're going to show it right here. I don't think Nick Saban believed anything that he was saying on Saturday. He was grasping. He tried. I think he just had to do it because I get paid $10 million a year, and Alabama expects me to argue on behalf of Alabama, so I might as well go earn my paycheck. If I can't do it on the field, I might as well do it on national television. C commendable, but nah, nobody was buying it. Nobody was buying it. And anybody who was buying it, get your head out of your ass. Come on now. 
Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete of Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, is it still true that a million is enough to retire on? Tim, maybe and maybe not. The most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive. We'll give that away to the next 10 people. Call right now. The number to call, 800-691-3215. Text TIM to 600-700 if you're interested in texting. Once again, that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text TIM to 600-700 for that deal. You went to, uh, you went to your first Capital Broadcasting Christmas party this Saturday, Joe. <coughs> How would, uh, got all dressed up? Enjoy it? Oh, well, you're having a moment. I probably shouldn't ask you that question right now. It was good. Great time. Always a good time. Always a big fan. Did you use your uh, two drink tickets? We got four. Well, between you and Jess. Or did you get four? I got four. Shh. Boss doesn't drink. So. Oh, well, then you got four. Yeah. That's right, because she had a uh, she had a mocktail. She did. On, uh, on Friday when we went all uh, out to dinner. Uh, actually, it's funny. Uh, yeah, we went out to dinner. Uh, our, new, our, our new boss, Paul, uh, was with us in Charlotte. Dennis was there, too. I believe this is the first time that both Dennis and Paul got to experience something that you know about me, Julio. Which is? I can eat. <laughs> oh, I knew that. When they offered up this Nutella something. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nutella Oreo. Cheesecake? That was yeah. big time. It's meant to be shared. Did I share it? No. Absolutely not. I inhaled that thing. They gave me a spoon. I said, I'm not going to need it. Nope. Gone. Now, I mean, I'm a little older now. There was a price to be paid. There was a price to be paid. Let's give you our hot and cold of the weekend. It's brought to you by Any Day Heating and Cooling, a family-owned company. Who is your uh, cold of the weekend, Julio? At the risk of going on, off on a rant about <laughs> how the sausage is made in reporting. Okay. <laughs> Adam Schefter is my cold of the weekend. Oh, boy, yeah. On yeah. Saturday, he wrote this nebulous sourced story about how Brown's quarterback and former Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson was, quote, showing signs of progress in his mandatory treatment program. Okay. I'm not making light of this. No. This is a serious topic. All right. But this reminds me of like the Amy Schumer skit inside Amy Schumer Mm -hmm. where she's talking. She makes fun of Friday Night Lights and how. The high school coach comes in and he goes, "There'll be no raping," and like all of the players are like, "All right, we're gonna start winning." Is no, there's no raping. It's like, yeah, but but if and like, then it's like this no. whole thing. It's like, so what? What exactly? We don't know. Yeah, what this? What the progress is, or even what the treatment program is for someone who has a problem with going into a massage parlor and asking for his genitals to be pleasured. So we don't know what that is. But that's Adam Schefter for you. But now we get this. But we get these great quotes of, "He's been progressing well, and he wants to continue with it." Like, what? Like, I get it, Adam Schefter. You're trying to make people happy to get information on the other end. All right, that is how the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. But maybe, just maybe, after all of these recent instances we've seen with Adam Schefter kind of being reckless with some of his sourcing, maybe, maybe, just take your time and uh, treat treat this particular case with more seriousness and levity than he was yeah no i'm completely with you on that and that's why i tend to outside of information dumps from adam schefter i I don't tend to read much into anything else that he says and for whatever reason he has absolutely been in with deshaun watson's agent because remember 
when I guess I forgot there were no charges, and he had that really bad tweet about like, like he's free, like he's, they've said all along he's like, innocent. That's yeah. not how it works, man. Not how it works. My cold of the weekend goes to the World Cup. Remember that? Remember the World Cup, Joe? It's fun while it lasted, right? I'm not saying this to be dismissive about people who are actually still into the World Cup uh, now until the end because there's a lot of the world's best players moving on, and it's exciting stuff, and I'll probably keep up with it in the Final Four and everything else. The semifinals, I should say. But it's not lost on me that after the U.S. lost to the Netherlands on Saturday, it was buried by college football playoff implications on Saturday during the conference championship games, and then, of course, an NFL Sunday. This is, once again, a reminder that pushing this thing back into November and December was a miscalculation on FIFA's part. Now, maybe I'm overvaluing the way FIFA views us as a market in terms of the World Cup. Yeah, we're not their priority. Not their priority. But I'm telling you right now, it is like it just disappeared. Just disappeared. All the Greg Berhalter second guessing, like it lasted for a couple hours and then it was back to, but what about Alabama in the college football playoff? That obviously will not be the case in four years when the World Cup is here in the States and no, Canada and Mexico. While we're not their priority, we're I still not. think it was a mistake not to have the World Cup in the summer. Yes. Again, the biggest part of that is. Most European countries have all kinds. You talk about your vacation. Your vacation pales in comparison to the holiday time given to Euros, man. (laughs) And they take it seriously, and they go hard, and they prioritize the World Cup. So, yes, those are the markets they care about. But they have other things going on right now, too. So, I'm with you. Who's your hot of the weekend? My hot is Louisville. Ah, but why, Julio? They haven't won a basketball game. They can't win a basketball game. Did you see? They were number 361 in the net out of 363? That's nuts. This is not about basketball, though. Oh, no, no, no. They got out of Scott Satterfield's contract. They didn't have to fire him. They don't have to pay him anymore. But he did turn it around this year. But you know what? Scott Satterfield was never a fit at Louisville. No, he never was. And when he had his good first year, and then he interviewed at South Carolina, and then came out and basically said, yeah, I I don't really want to be the coach at Louisville anymore. Yet somehow had to coach three more years. Well, you knew how this was going to end. So good for him to getting to Louisville to 7-5 and five this year, and good for him and good for Louisville for Scott Satterfield taking the Cincinnati job. My hot of the weekend stays with soccer here in the States. <laughs> okay. UNC women. So uh, North Carolina is going to face UCLA in the championship match tonight at Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary. The Tar Heels are making their – do you know how many it is? Uh, yes, because it's 2022 and they're going for number 22 making their 27th NCAA championship game appearance, 28th overall. And then, yes, they're looking for that next one, which is just title number 22. Yes. Unreal. They're 21-5 and five all time in championship games, 22-5 and five overall. And, yes, this is NCAA championship number 22 in 22. Pretty awesome. So, again, that's happening tonight at Wake Med Soccer Park, 6 o'clock, North Carolina facing UCLA. It's the OG. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovias. If you miss anything from today's show, check it out on the best of the OG podcast. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Five stars only. Positive vibes only. Check us out on YouTube as well. Look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. We're out there. 
you can watch Ms. Wolf give Joe Gillio a hard time for wearing his she was not happy one of a kind Carolina Tar Heels all one word sweater. However, it might have kind of worked. <laughs> I didn't say that. I wonder how Ms. Wolf feels about Devin Leary transferring. It is portal season. We'll explain next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So we were in Charlotte on Friday and Saturday ahead of the ACC championship game. Clemson just taking back their corners, just outclassing the Tar Heels. Uh, the Tar Heels, when you look back on the season, it's just going to look like empty calories at this rate. You know, they win nine. T- if you if you told people in July at ACC kickoff that the Tar Heels were going to have nine wins going into the ACC championship game, you're thinking, man, that's that's pretty awesome. But the way things have gone, it's going to look like empty calories when it's all said and done, which is strange to say given that they won the Coastal Division. It's only the second time it's happened in Tar Heel history. And that Mac Brown is kind of trying to accomplish. Third time. I'm sorry, third time. Respect to Larry Fedora and the lost NCAA-sanctioned season. My bad. We'll be factual here. Regardless, I think it's the way that Carolina's been losing. It's the Georgia Tech loss. It's losing to your rival, NC State. And then it's just kind of stepping over yourself while getting big-boyed by Clemson on Saturday. But Mac Brown's trying to keep a positive attitude about it, reminding people about how they want to win these games and how they weren't here last year and how they got that progress. Let me repeat the opening statement. We were one out of five in touchdowns in the red zone. If you're going to do that, you're not going to win games. Uh, we felt like with uh, DJ, we were going to make him beat us. We were going to stop the run, so we stacked the box. They put in Cade, and Cade played great. So we had to adjust and try to come after him with really young secondary people in the second half. So that put us in a bind. And, and we had two turnovers that led 14 points, one at the 24-yard line, one interception for a touchdown. You're not going to beat a good team with those, with those circumstances. So that's uh... – that's Mac Brown uh, kind of detailing how things kind of got away from them in that game. But here he is on, you know, how Drake May, who's going to be coming back to North Carolina, <laughs> the, the transfer portal rumors about him I never understood. But here he is on Drake May and, and learning from the game. Oh, Drake's the reason we're in the game. He's playing the best defense we've played all year by far. It's one of the best defenses defenses in the country, and, and – um, We'll all grow from from playing a great team. When you play a team that's been in the playoffs uh, every year for about six out of the last eight, I think um, it, it shows you what you got to do to to get where we want to go. And we're we're not there yet. We're better than everybody else because we got here, but we weren't better than they were. This was kind of like the Notre Dame game. They were physically better than we were, and and they whipped us. So that's Mac Brown, head coach, North Carolina on the loss to Clemson in the ACC championship game. I referenced Drake May and transfer stuff, and he was, I think it was Josh Graham of WSJS who had asked Drake May about the possibility that he would enter the transfer portal. I understand why you would ask that question, but I'm also kind of flabbergasted 
that it gets asked given the context around Drake May. Here's how he handled it. Well, that's my that's my that's my attention. You know, I'm, I'm Carolina kid. You know, it means something wearing that Carolina blue. Um, so that's my intentions, and you know, I love this place. And, you know, these fans have been great. You know, it's been, been a heck of a season. You know, first year for me. You know, I couldn't ask for more. Um, I probably wish the games would have gone a little different at the end here. But uh, you know, just you know, thanks to you know, all the fans and the players and the coaches. How do you handle it if other schools do reach out to you or your parents or whoever? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't had anybody reach out. I don't know if I will. I probably I won't, won't really accept um, you know, personal, like, between contact. I just think that's bad, you know, for um, the way that, you know, Carolina's treated me and, uh, you know, how well they put trust in me, you know, registered freshman quarterback. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stand on that when, when, that, when that bridge comes. So that's Drake May, North Carolina quarterback. He could have played at Alabama. He, he, he came to North Carolina for all sorts of family reasons. He, I don't see that being a story. Well, he also has a $40 million payday waiting for him in the spring of 24. Yeah. So he plays this year. He'll be the number one or number two pick in the NFL draft next year. Mm-hmm. So the, it's not Carolina like you, Panthers. Yeah, it's like you don't need to be incentivized to play your one year of college football. No. Not only that, while I don't expect Carolina or even NC State to really be on the high end of NIL. Mm-hmm. Carolina has already shown you with Armando Baycott and Caleb Love, mm-hmm. if you're there, the NIL deals are there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I expect Drake May to make a decent amount of money next year. I'm, you know, no one's going to need to pass the hat for no. him. No, no, no. But no. again, the real payday for him is coming, and he doesn't need to go anywhere to do that. He can he can be the number one and number two overall pick in the draft at Carolina. Now, the transfer portal has been the dominant story of college sports today. We've we've talked about it this season, and I think people finally have it crystallized that NIL has completely changed college football. And today has essentially acted like a day that we would see in the NBA or the NHL or Major League Baseball or the NFL when it comes to free agency. Like, you get all the news coming in, this person's going to be hearing offers, or I'm hearing this person's going here. I don't mind it. I mean, it makes for interesting interesting stories in an offseason. And players are realizing their leverage, their, their earning potential by going to different places, or just bettering their situations in terms of play. You know, like, I brought up Phil Dracovich, Boston College. He's entered the transfer portal. Guy did what he could do there, and this past season was an example of, man, how much am I going to beat myself up or have myself beaten down by a bad offensive line for a program that might not be going anywhere. Let's get behind a good offensive line. Let's see if I get a, dif- a different opportunity. I also think his situation is not unlike Devin Leary's yep. in the sense that his season didn't go how they expected. And then all of a sudden, Emmett Moorhead comes in and he looks pretty good. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, you've got a true freshman back there who, guess what? If you're BC, that's the guy you, you want going forward. And you don't, you know, you're not throwing Phil Dracovich out. You're basically saying, hey, man, what's in your best interest? And, you know, the rumor is he's going to go to Pitt. He's from that area of the country. So, yeah, because Pitt has Ken Slovis. And who Keaton Slovis, who's already transferred twice. A portal acquisition <laughs> right. for Pat Narduzzi at Pitt. And he's going to transfer again. So, right now, Devin Leary announced he's entering the transfer portal with the intent to leave NC State. DJ Uyungle, we kind of understood that to be the case. Very, very crystallized on Saturday in Clemson's win over North Carolina with Kate Klubnick looking pretty good. Brennan Armstrong at Virginia already announced that he was out of here. We talked about Djokovic. We talked about Slovis. There's Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech. These are starters, by the way. And Drew Pine at Notre Dame. And, and guys who weren't starters, we get back to Carolina. 
We found this out pretty quick. Jacoby Criswell, he's going to be transferring from North Carolina, entering the portal, which, again, makes a lot of sense. I have no problems with backup quarterbacks in situations that are established. Well, that's already realizing been, is yeah, good. That's already been happening in college football yeah. for the last 20 years. Yeah. You know, that's the one position that had been like the college basketball transfer world. It just ha- so happened to be you used to have to sit out a year before you had to go play. Now you can play immediately. And you, and you know, one thing about the portal now, Joe, is it works both ways. Mm-hmm. Because you might put your name in, but there is a game of musical chairs to be played. There is. And, there, you know, there are going to be a lot of schools who say, you know what? I can go out and get a freshman, and I want to develop him, and I want to see what happens. It's going to take a secure coach to do that, of course. Mm-hmm. But look at what happened at Texas A&M this year. Look at what happened at Miami this year. The money that they spent. Those two schools, there was no lack of funds to bring players in. What was the payoff? I mean, Texas A&M is in shambles. Miami, okay, it's first year for Mario Cristobal. Maybe you give him a little grace mm-hmm. in terms of oh, I don't, you give yeah. him a chance to, to build a thing. But they really did try the, the USC, let's add water and see what happens, and it didn't work. So back to the drawing board for the both of them. It, it, you know, Money isn't going to cure everything. We, we've seen this before in all kinds of different ways. So Richard Johnson, uh, who covers college football for Sports Illustrated, you'll see him on the SEC Network. Uh, he's part of that Split Zone, Split Zone Duo podcast. Had treated, tweeted this out. As the transfer portal officially opens, a note of how many players entered totally and actually found landing spots in the last four years. In 2018, 2019, just over 1,700 guys entered and 878 transferred, like officially transferred. That's 51%. In 2019-2020, it went up to 53%. Again, guys who actually found landing spots. and then That's not a lot, by the way. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. In 2020-2021, it was 55%. Then we get to 21-22 this past season, where you had 3,085 guys enter the transfer portal, but only 866 of those guys found spots. It's 28%. So you might be able to enter the portal, but you might not actually have a place to go. Quarterbacks are different. Right. The quarterback kind of carousel thing is going to play itself out differently. But if you are a wide receiver who's thinking they're going to try to better their situation, you might not. That's entirely possible. Now, this is used as a, as a scare tactic for people. Like, well, see, this is why you shouldn't allow it. No, these are just life lessons. These yeah. are... The situations. Now, water's going to find its level, too. Yes, it is. Like like I just said about Texas A&M mm-hmm. and Miami. Like, you still got to be smart about what you're doing. That goes for the schools, and that goes for the players themselves. The, like I said about Scott Satterfield, the grass isn't always greener. Mm-hmm. He had a hell of a thing going in App State. <laughs> By the way, Scott Satterfield took a pay cut to go to, to, go to, Cincinnati. to, go to Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, he's making less money at Cincinnati. I, I get that they're going to the Big 12 and all that stuff. Yeah, but his clock restarts. It does. The new deal. It's a six-year deal, yeah. which I think we kind of understood that his and time And you know what? He'll be in the Big out. 12 without Texas and Oklahoma. I'd rather be in the Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma than I would be at Louisville trying to bang my head up against Clemson and Florida State because Florida State's coming back. Like, that team this year mm-hmm. really – you talked about before about how there's always one or two teams at the end of the year they go, you know what, we're 9-3 and three, or we're 8-4, and four, but, you know, we haven't lost in a long time. Mm-hmm. That's Florida State this year. That's a hell of a team. That Mike Norvell put together this year. It's the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. We have the OG mixtape to play. 8605FAN, 8605326. You have an opportunity to win an Arctic Tumblr with the fan logo on it. Again, 8605FAN, 8605326.